concluded for the time being our study of the second chapter of the patanjali yoga sutra so today uh, before we commence our study of the third chapter the vibhuti pada which speaks of the supernatural powers that can develop by the practice of sangyama means dhyana dharana and samadhi on the various parts of the body or on some objective reality various powers can develop so those will be dealt with in the third chapter uh, but we should remind you from the very beginning that immediately it's not going to start but the various powers that develop from dharana dhyana samadhi either on the various parts of the body the various internal organs of the body or on some external objective reality it immediately doesn't start first few uh, sutras will deal with the definition of dharana dhyana and samadhi as you have already seen the second chapter has ended with the discussion on pratyahara that of the eight limbs of the yoga yama niyama asana pranayama pratyahara these are the five first practices this were all discussed in the second chapter and the third chapter will start with the discussion on the final three limbs of the yoga that is the dharana dhyana and samadhi so we have seen that till pratyahara this speaks of the preparation for the next three stages the dharana dhyana and samadhi pratyahara in short we can say that what it is actually pratyahara means prati ahara ahara in sanskrit generally we translate as food but ahara is not to be specified just food alone ahara means anything which we are gathering in we have five senses and that what constitutes our world our universe with the eyes we see so whatever i am gathering in in the form of vision is ahara whatever i am gathering in in the form of sound through my ears that's also is ahara you are gathering in aharate aryate iti ahara whatever you are gathering in through this nose through the smell whatever i am gathering in that is another ahara through my tongue that taste whatever i am gathering in that is again another ahara and through the touch whatever i am gathering is ahara so constantly our mind swami vivekananda in one of the places in raja yoga is saying is like a lake and these five senses are like the five apparatus 
the five holes through which you are constantly pelting stone on the lake called mind. And the mind is, that's how getting agitated. All these five perceptions are like pelting stone on the lake called mind. So first we have to stop that. With this mind, with this turbulence, with the turbulent mind, we can never think of focus. We can never think of concentration. First, we have to stop these pelting stones so that the mind is calm. Now, when I do that, people find that when I try to meditate, I close my eyes, I try to be in a quiet place, no taste, no touch, no sight, no sound, no smell, and I'm sitting quietly. And now I take a resolve, let me concentrate my mind. And in a short time, you will find what is happening, that the mind with all its agitation is revolting back. It becomes as if more turbulent. It never gets calm. Swamiji is saying what is happening, that we throughout the day were pelting stone on the lake called mind through the various apparatus of which are namely the five senses. And the mind is already agitated. With that agitated mind, when I sit for meditation, all the waves which I have already created by pelting those stones of perceptions throughout my day has already agitated my mind. That agitation is still going on. Now to take the resolution, let me meditate, let me focus, is itself another pelting of stone. So what I have to do, when the lake is already agitated, I have to stop pelting stones. What's that? Just sit down quietly and observe the mind. No more pelting stone. Not even take the resolution that I will now focus. Nothing. Just allow the mind that all the ripples which has already been created, it takes time to settle down. You have seen that it always happens that the moment I throw a stone on the lake, the waves that are generated, it takes some time to settle down. And before settling down, if I throw another stone, all these waves will never stop. So first I have to relax. No more pelting, even the resolution, let me try to concentrate my mind is itself like pelting a stone. When I try to meditate, I will have to be just a passenger, not the driver of my mind. I will tell my mind that yes, now I will be meditating, I am relaxing. You take me, yes, you are the driver, you take me to the destination. When you take a cab, and if you just, after taking the destination, saying the destination, if you don't relax, constantly if you go on dictating the driver, take left, take right, don't take me through, through this route, take me through that other route, what will happen? In no time, the driver will be offended. He will feel pressurized. He will stop the car and say, sir, if you have to constantly instruct me, better you take another cab. So he will just simply force you down from the cab because that way he cannot drive. And that's what happens with our mind. We take the drivers, they constantly just instructing the mind, stop, do this, do that. That way in short time, the mind gets tired, tired. 
it will throw you out of the meditation so first that pratyahara is required pratyahara means prati ahara with each and every chance of gathering in you are quite aware you are not allowing it and you don't force it you say okay i i'm observing you the i am seeing you that's the way when the child is very restless the mother instead of scolding by saying don't do this don't do that the mother simply says well what are you doing i'm just observing and immediately you find the child gets calmed down when the mother says i am just observing i am seeing what you are doing so mind is like that restless child like a very compassionate mother you have to say i am observing and it starts calming down so pratyahara is more like mindfulness which is required before we go to the focus any focus as in the last class we were indicating with the help of rain acronym that how to come down the mind that don't run away from your impulses from your emotions from all the feelings which emanate in your mind when you sit down for meditation don't run away most most probably when you were in the office you had some quarrel with your colleague and that is agitating your mind so you find that in the form of anger it is erupting in your mind don't try to run away face it recognize it yes that's what is that that's an anger after recognizing that rain acronym r means recognition a means acceptance i accept it i am not running away from it i recognize that anger is there accept and then i try to investigate its nature any impulse any feeling any emotion in your mind you will find a very wonderful thing it can never sustain itself only in the present it has to be constantly nurtured both by the past as well as the future when i am angered constantly i have to think of the cause of my anger that's in one way and another way the mind uh, will be nurturing that anger he will be i will be planning that such and such person has told me such and such words tomorrow when i get chance what should i say in reply today i couldn't get proper chance to say anything tomorrow these are the things i will say i will retort back so this is the future these two things the past and the future will be fueling your anger so when you investigate and find that these are the two things which are fueling my anger then aim stands for negating i don't allow my mind is a gatekeeper where it is i who will decide who all are allowed in and who all are not mindful doesn't mean mindfulness doesn't mean that i am just observing there is a question of allowing some of the desired guests to come in and some who are not invited to not come in just buddha gave that example that mindfulness doesn't mean just simply observing and he gave a very funny example that a man a rich man went out for some work uh, and while going out he told take care of my house just observe that no that there that if anyone is coming on a, just is if there is any intrusion observe for observing i am keeping you and when the this rich man comes back he finds everything has been plundered he asks i have asked you to that keep a keep an eye what happened to you have you haven't you kept an eye he told yes i kept an eye 
I saw a man coming, there's a group of plunderers, dacoits coming, they entered the house, they plundered the things, they took away the wealth. I observed minutely. Minutely I was observing. They took the wealth and went away. I was observing. You asked me to observe. I've observed. So this doesn't mean pratyahara. That you allow the negative thoughts to plunder your mind. That is not pratyahara. Once you have investigated, recognized, investigated, and then have known the nature. You're recognized, accepted, investigated, knows the nature. Now I have to negate. I won't allow this. Let this emotion be with me. You are welcome. Whether it is anger, whether it is lust, you are welcome. I will be observing you, but I won't allow you to be fed by the past and the future. That what happened again and again to remember that, I will try to stop that. I will try to stop all those anticipations. And then you will find that the anger starts sublimating. It cleanses off. It falls off. That's how you're observing, not getting identified with the anger and allowing the mind to just play the game. You just observe and allow it to calm down. And then the mind, once it has calmed down, now it is ready for the next three practices, the dharana, dhyana, and samadhi. So now the focus, I have to take some desired a particular object and focus on it. So the first practice after pratyahara is dharana. So what is dharana? The first sloka, the first sutra of the third chapter defines dharana. Desha bandha chittasya dharana. Desha, in particular space. Desha means place. In a particular space, bandha means enclosed. My mind gets enclosed, encapsulated only in a particular space. Chittasya, the mind, the mind, the chitta is just focusing, getting streamlined. It is not allowing other things to enter. Just it has taken a focus on a particular object, on a particular space, and that is dharana. Now this dharana consists of holding the mind either in any part of the body. It may be the navel circle. It may be the lotus of the heart. It may be the effulgent center of your head, the sahasrara. It may be the tip of your nose. It can be on the tongue or any part of the body. And when you succeed, particular result will ensue that will be dealt with elaborately in the succeeding sutras of this chapter. And it's not only within the body. It can be on ex any external object. You can meditate on the sun, on the moon, on any external object. And that again will be leading to particular type of manifestation of powers. So these powers are not supernatural. They follow certain signs. The Yoga Sutra will be dealing with them elaborately, not to encourage us to develop those powers, just to warn us that in the process of dhyana, dhyana samadhi, when our mind gets streamlined with our practice, it gets sharp, lots of supernatural power may simultaneously develop, we may just spontaneously develop. And most of us gets hoodwinked by them, lured by them, and we get sidetracked. 
we forget our goal and we get just sidetracked to st- stop us from getting deviated distracted from our goal it will deal, deal elaborately with all those supernatural powers that may just simply manifest in your psyche don't get hooked hoodwinked by them lured by them and that way you take just the goal just what's the milestone to be the ultimate goal they are just the milestones they show that you are progressing but they are not the goal so just to warn us the these powers will be dealt with in with elaborately so first let us try to understand what this dharana dhyana and samadhi exactly mean so now after pratyahara when my mind has already calmed down now i take any particular space either in my body or some object outside for fixing my mind swami vivekananda says all the knowledge comes only through concentration the key to knowledge is concentration so this concentration the practice of concentration starts with dharana now after that in the second that you are trying to fixing your mind on a particular object is dharana now many will be confusing then what's the difference between dharana and dhyana the dhyanam has been described defined in the second sutra of the third chapter tatra means after practicing dharana tatra pratyaya ekatanata dhyana that after you have practiced dharana the const- the continuous flow of similar mental modifications is dhyana the dharana also has also actually is the same thing when i am fixing my mind on a particular object the each and every thought waves will be of that object only the pratyaya the content of each and every thought wave will be the object on which i am concentrating and dhyana is also the same thing then what actually is the difference between dharana and dhyana now this we have to understand clearly clearly and then only we can understand samadhi the next the ultimate uh, limb of yoga that when my mind is calm and i have started focusing most probably to certain extent i will be successful in focusing my mind on an object but that focus will be of low frequency means our mind is like a wave each and every thought wave is rising it falls another thought wave rise that's how it's not analogous it is something digital a thought wave rises falls another thought wave rises falls that's how the mind is working we find that there is a continuation of thought because the thought waves are so of high frequency though they are just in our uh, tv it's all dots but the dots are uh, what you say that are uh, projected in the screen so fast that it gives a sense of continuity i see the pictures but actually it is all dots in a very high resolution picture you take a magnifying glass and see it's nothing it's but all dots it's not that someone has caged with a pen it is all dots which are placed so closely that it gives that the sense of a continuing picture so in dharana your thought wave of a particular 
uh, object of meditation with a particular object of meditation the thought wave is rising it's falling again it's rising it's falling at the beginning the frequency is quite less as i am not an adept in meditation this frequency is quite less so dhyana is nothing but the qualitative improvement of dharana now the frequency goes on increasing the thought waves which are rising to give you it can be so intense that you can even have a visualization to give an under, to give an example suppose you are meditating on a particular form those who meditate on a form at the beginning you will be uh, assured of the fact that it is just a mere imagination when your meditation becomes intense still it is imagination but you will start feeling it's real because the intensity has increased so much that now it becomes something like a very vivid visualization giving you a sensation that as if i am seeing it so in a picture just to give an example if the resolution is low you can see the dots dpi the resolution is defined as dpi dots per inch if the dots per resolution is low you will find the picture is fade the dots can be seen if resolution is high the dots are so close to each other there is there, there the number of dots per inch is much higher the resolution is much higher then it gives a sense of continuation so dhyana is that meditation with higher frequency of the same thought waves the same thought waves the focus which you have created with dharana with practice it becomes more qualitatively higher so that as if the frequency of the thought waves have intensified giving it a sense of flow you will find that when the dots are apart you easily find out that the picture is actually made by dots it can be seen but when the dots are very close the resolution is very high it gives a sense of continuation no more you see the dots you see the picture as a whole that's why we say the picture the higher the resolution the better is the quality of the picture so when the dots are very close it gives a sense of ekatanata a flow the dots are no more visible so in dhyanam also that ekatanata that flow ensues when when the quality of dharana has improved just the way that the dpi the gets higher the picture becomes vivid so dhyana is actually speaking of as if higher dpi in your meditation the thought waves are now the same thought waves are having higher frequency your intensity of focus have increased so tatra pratyaya ekatanata dhyanam ekatanata this is the same pratyaya tatra the pratyaya pratyaya means the content of the wave now when i am suppose uh, meditating on a flower these two things we should understand one is vritti and another is pratyaya these two are not same even when i am not thinking even when i am in deep sleep that yoga even thousands of years back understood this fact that the mind is always active even in deep sleep vrittis are there vrittis can stop only in asampragyata samadhi which renders you kaivalya which renders you liberation only there the vritti stop that's why we have def- defined at the very beginning of the yoga the f- second sutra of the very first chapter was yoga chitta vritti nirodha to stop those vrittis 
they are not stopped even when you are in deep sleep in deep sleep what happens the definition of sleep very nicely it was there in the first chapter what's the definition of sleep deep sleep this abhava pratyaya alambana vritti nidra abhava pratyaya alambana vritti nidra it's very interesting this vritti which is having abhava pratyaya having no contents these vrittis are arising but they don't have content when i am looking at say the flower the flower is as if getting reflected in the thought wave so the content of the thought wave is the flower and that's makes me see the flower oh whatever is reflected in the thought wave that's what i perceive i see that is a flower or even when i am trying to imagine the flower though i am not seeing you know have has created that flower with my imagination so the content of the thought wave is again the same flower and if i can continue to think that flower again and again with each and every thought wave without allowing the mind to getting to get distracted into other thoughts then you are having a dharana of that flower but at the very beginning you know it's a mere imagination it's not very uh, intense now when that intensity increases with the practice of meditation so now the flower which you are imagining becomes as vivid as seeing the visualization becomes as vivid as seeing that's that's what speaks of ekatanata your meditation has increased has reached a state of flow where other distractions are falling off more and more so tatra pratyaya ekatanata dhyanam so that's what has been uh, de- de- uh, defined as the dhyana so dharana the difference between dharana and dhyana is actually of the quality but it is both of the same nature it is a qualitative difference which differentiates dharana from dhyana after that what is spoken of is samadhi this dhyana when still it intensifies it has already entered into a state of flow the state of flow even in the modern psychology they speak of flow psychology you will see these words are so similar in the flow psychology they use the word flow which means ekatanata ekatanata is when there is a flow there is a continuation how it happens in our day to day life so when i am talking to you though my mind is focused to what i am talking you will find if someone calls me i can hear why i can hear because only a small part of my mind is required to keep the focus on what i am talking to you the remaining mind is free it can take care of other activities so though the dharana is there what's the dharana that my mind is focused but still as it doesn't require very high focus to continue with the conversation other this my mind is sufficiently free to take care of other activities now when i am watching tv my most favorite game is going on which i am very passionate about someone calls i don't hear what has happened my mind is at the more the focus the more that the each and every part or each and every wave is engaged with the focus there is no chance that other things can enter your mind so what happens even if someone calls the sound is entering your ear but it cannot get connected with the mind the mind is the eye the ears are open it's not plugged it's open someone is calling the sound which has entered the ears somehow cannot get connected with the mind 
because the mind, the almost the entire mind has been taken away by the object of your focus. So now it is something like dhyana. So when that happens, what happens? You gradually enter into a flow. To understand flow, it's very easy. Suppose you have started learning some musical instrument. At the beginning, you need concentration, you need focus. But at the beginning, as you have not developed the skills, that, that, that your skills are much lesser than the challenge. The challenge is much higher, the skills are lower. So what happens, though you're focused, you find that with your will, you have to keep the mind focused and develop the skill. So the dharana has developed, but not it has entered the state of dhyana. The flow has not entered. After practicing, after some time, what happens? Your skill develops and meets the challenge. The skills have met the challenge. Now we want a thing will happen. You need not have to be conscious of what you are playing. Your hand will be just flowing on the strings or what on the reeds, whatever it may be, spontaneously. And your mind has got totally focused on it. There is no effort required. A classical singer, a painter and all that. It's just the skills has developed to so much that it meets the challenge and a tremendous concentration ensues, flow ensues. There's a tremendous happiness out of it because all the distractions has fallen off. Even the bodily feelings fall off. A musician may be singing for hours without feeling tired, without feeling thirsty, without feeling hungered. Why? The, as the mind has entered into that flow, the own that focus has taken away all the mind. The other thing starts falling off. And there is no effort. It just flows. That's why the word flow has been used in the flow psychology. And that's what is meant by ekatanata. It ekatanata means, also means flow. So in dhyana that has happened. When it intensifies, that will lead to samadhi. What is samadhi? When still the focus is more intensified, at last it will end up in samadhi. So what's the definition of samadhi? The third sutra of the third chapter defines what is samadhi. Tat eva artha matra nirbhasam swarupa shunyam eva samadhi. Each and every word is very important. Tat eva. So when you have reached the state of dhyana, that's the tat eva. Artha matra nirvasa. Then when your dhyana gets ripened, at last what happens? Artha matra nirvasa. The moment your mind is fully focused, then own the real meaning reveals. We will come to the discussion. The real meaning of the thing, artha matra. The, what the thing actually is, that gets revealed with the focus. And Swarupa Shunnam, all the reflective thought, they fall off. Swarupa Shunya means all our subjective thoughts, ideas, they fall off. And that is Samadhi. We'll very easily understand if we take some example. Samadhi is not only that, only through meditation you are having. Even when you are taking your food, a time should, when I have to be focused to really find out its test. My mind should be focused, everything should fall off, and then only the test gets revealed. To give an example, that when I have not tested the mango, someone told that it is sweet, it has a nice flavor, and I have some mental cogitation about it. I just thought about it, I cogitated upon it, 
and I had an idea. Oh, I know what the taste of mango is. I know it's sweet, it's flavor. So many things are sweet, so many things are flavor. Mango also has some sweetness, has some flavor. It's like some other things only. I whatever knowledge I have of of the past knowledge, with that I try to relate the taste of mango. And I somehow have the idea. I know it, but it's just an idea. It's just a thought. The moment you're tasting the mango, if you're tasting the mango, you're talking to others, you won't realize the test. It happens sometimes. And then the food we are taking, if my mind is distracted, if some, if even if there is no salt, I will take, I will not realize. Why? Because mind was not focused. If the mind is focused, so then what that, all your conceptions will fall off, Arthamata, the real taste will come out. And then what will happen? All your past notions about the taste of mango, which you thought I knew, that will fall off. Swarupa Shonya, that will fall off. And the Arthamatra, the real meaning will come out. You will understand, oh, I thought I knew the taste of mango. Everyone told it is sweet. It has a nice flavor. I thought I, I have understood. The moment I taste, and then I find that all those conceptions which have developed about the taste of mango is useless. They fall off. And I know the real test, the Arthamatra Nirbhasa. And that is Samadhi. It happens for each other from the lowest while you, uh, parzits of our life, when I am just perceiving something. From that, I have to be focused to get the knowledge. If the flower is red, I'm seeing something red, my mind should be focused. Then only I get the knowledge. So each and every moment, Samadhi he is happening in our lower parzits. But when I am focusing my mind on the mind itself, that takes to the highest samadhi, highest form of samadhi. So that also, in that also the same theory applies. Swarupa Shunyamiva Arthamatra Nirvasa. How? At present, I am reading the scriptures by uh, listening to various spiritual discourses. I have a feeling I know what Atman is. Is a conscious principle, the witness self, I have understood. I know what it is. This is again, that is your mere mental conception. It's a reflective thought. The real, when uh, you are cogitating on that, that aham brahmasmi, aham brahmasmi, with a feeling that I know what Brahman is. With that you are cogitating. When with this cogitation, takes you to a very intense thought, then suddenly you will find that all those reflective thoughts falls off and this thought will take you to the realization where Arthamata, the real meaning will be revealed. So you will find that this actually from the lowest, our day-to-day -day perception to the highest spiritual evolution, this Samadhi actually is defines that the focus when it gets intensified, leads to that ultimate knowledge. The same idea of Samadhi we find in Vedanta, where they called it as Triputi Bheda, that, that which has been defined as Arthamatra Nirvasam Sarupashanyamivam. In Vedanta philosophy, it is spoken of as Triputi Bheda. What is Triputi Bheda? The, when I am meditating, there is a very clear distinction of three aspects of meditation. What are they? Dhyana, Dhyata, and Dhyaya. Dhyana, the process of meditation. 
dhyata, the one who is meditating, and dheya, the object of meditation. That when I am meditating, how intense may be my meditation, I am aware that I am meditating on such and such thing, and it is the process of meditation which connects the object of meditation with the meditator. They say, Triputi Vedin Samadhi, this triad falls off, collapses. How it happens? You can understand with the same flow psychology that when my mind is getting more and more focused, it is that each and every thought is becoming more and more intense without any gap. There is no chance for any other thought or any other sensation or any other feeling to creep in. The entire mind is as if taken away by my object of meditation. So first what happens? External distraction stops. Then what happens? You start filling your videha. That as if you have no body. Because what gives us the sensation of body? Our hunger, our thirst, our tiredness. All those things give us the sensation of body. So a part of my mind is required to take care of all those biological alarms. They also start fall off because the mind is taken away by your object of concentration. You become, though you are in the body, as if you are not in the body. In meditation, we find that the one who is meditating, if he's, the more the intense the meditation, the more he becomes inert. It's not that he is forcing himself to be motionless. He really becomes inert because all the bodily sensations have stopped. The entire mind has been taken away by the object of meditation. It is intense dhyana, but still samadhi has not happened till the triad collapses. What? Even in that intense meditation, the sensation is there, I am meditating. So the ego, ego is the last bit of your, this cogitation that has to be taken away. That my mind is constantly processing so many things. Ego is the last bit to be, that remains, that's the mind is processing. If my meditation, object of meditation becomes very intense, that I is also the, the constantly, that I can never forget that I am, I am. Even if I stop my thoughts, that I am is constantly emanating. That is the basal, the, the basic, uh, what you say, the part of my mind. That is taken away when your mind becomes more and more, more and more concentrated. When that I am meditating, that this falls off or any conceptual knowledge falls off. Entire mind has been taken away your object of meditation. Then they say you become identified with your object of meditation. That I am meditating on such and such thing, this idea falls off. You become as if one with your object of meditation. You get identified. All your bodily feelings has fallen off. You now get identified with the object of meditation. And then the revelation happens. Arthamatra Nirvasa, Swarupa Shunyam Eva. All the concepts fall off. To understand more through a psychological point of view, when suppose you take that meditation in which you are thinking of your Swarupa. I am the Atman, I am the Brahman. What happens, this thought, this mental thought is something which is hammering your ego. Why? Ego is something which speaks of your identity with this limited body-mind complex. Ego is like the hub of a will where all your desires, all your uh, anger, all your hatred, everything is linked to that hub of that will, ego. That I am this limited body. Even to understand ego, you will understand that if you take a small microbe, 
the small microbe where the conscious principle has got identified with that microbe body, immediately you will find that asmita has arisen, the eros has arisen. How? If there is some nutrient, it will be drawn towards it, raga. If there is some poison, it will be running away from it, repelling, dvesha, fear, abhinavesha. It wants to remain identified with that microbe body. So all these raga, dvesha, abhinavesha, all these kleshas, afflictions comes because of that ego. So our mind, this, this asmita, is linked to so many mental modules, each having a particular stimuli response conditioning. Oh, the pizza, this is a nice thing. I get drawn towards it. Oh, uh, this is something toxin. I get repelled by it. Oh, such and such person can be harmful towards me. I get withdrawn from him. There is a fight and flight response working. So all these various responses constitute various mental modules. Now, when you are meditating Aham Brahmasmi, you are hammering constantly on the ego. That this ego with which all these mental modules are linked, what is that ego? That I am this limited body. So when you say, I am Aham Brahmasmi, that I am not this limited. I am the all-pervading conscious principle. With this, you are as if negating the ego itself, with which all other mental modules are connected. So in a will, if I try to get rid of a single spike, the will is still intact because with the hub, other spikes are all connected. So that's why in our life, when we try to get rid of one desire, there are so many innumerable desires which keeps my personality intact. That way I can never get rid of the so-called, this our limited individuality. The only way in long run is to get rid of the hub. If I can just pull out the hub, all the spikes fall. The will collapses all at once. So that happens that when you are meditating with the idea, Aham Brahmasmi, at first this idea that I am Brahman is a conceptual knowledge. It is just a concept, nothing else. It is not a realization. But by hammering that ego, a time comes with that intense meditation when that ego is also taken away. The meditation becomes so focused ego has fallen off. And now the entire mind with all its texture falls off at a time. Then what happens? The, as long as the mind is there, beyond the mind, consciousness like white light is there, it is breaking into the spectrum of name and form. And the white light falls on the prism, brings it to the seven colors. Similarly, the mind in association with the conscious principle is constantly breaking up into the spectrum of this world of name and form. The moment the mind falls off for the time swing, the ego has been taken away by the intense meditation. It falls off. Immediately that your real self is something which is revealed because it is not finding expression through the prism to break into spectrum. Till now I was deluded by the spectrum. The spectrum falls off. And suddenly I realize this, this is just a mere projection. I am that conscious principle. Nothing is there to project it. Then no more the mind is there to project it as this phenomenal existence. And that takes you to that artha matra nirbhasa. Then you realize what you are. That's no more a concept. That's the realization. So this is the highest samadhi which has been spoken of in the yoga. So you now will understand that it can be on small objects which will give you supernatural power. But 
what's the uh, idea that at the very beginning i may find it so difficult to focus on the idea that aham brahmasmi okay you may take any other thing that i just take uh, the my heart center and i just meditate on it from that some type of result will ensue that is not my goal but by that what has happened i have developed the faculty of focusing now i divert now the once you have developed now you divert it to the spiritual concept that will take you to the realization that's why it has been told that if you are good in studies for you the dhyana dharana samadhi is more easy because you have already learned the art of focusing in our order in ramakrishna order at the very beginning in the at the time when it was uh, at the time of inception when the brahmacharis were joining swami premananda was the one who was the manager of the mat he is to take care he is to train all the young brahmacharians take care of them every day morning still the practice is there these novices the young brahmacharians have to go to the kitchen the community kitchen every day there are hundreds who will be fed so you need lot of vegetable to be just dressed the peeled premananda will sit and just observe how these novices are peeling the vegetable and just by seeing the the, the, the how nicely they are peeling without cutting anything extra without just uh, even removing the pulp just nicely they have removed the peel he would declare who has better meditation because he has learned the art of focusing that shows that he can also meditate nicely so at the beginning that this concepts may be too abstract for me okay well even peeling of vegetable is okay for you that's why even ramakrishna used to say the one who is a good cook is the one who can meditate nicely he used to say that why because there also your focus is required tremendous focus is required and that focus now when you just divert to any spiritual concept it can take you to the very higher rungs of spiritual that's spiritual evolution so that's the thing which has been indicated in this definition that's what is samadhi now this three together the fourth sutra will speak of another concept called samyama what is that trayam ekatra samyama this dharana dhyana and samadhi together is called samyama now you will say why why what's the need of again uh, just coining a term called samyama because this dharana dhyana samadhi is a set which can be uh, used for meditating on so many things it can be on the various parts of your body it can be on something outside it can be on some abstract spiritual idea so each of these sets by uh, for which i am practicing dharana dhyana and samadhi is a, what you say a one each, each each of them is separate samyamas so that's why this word samyama has been used this will be used again and again when we will be discussing the supernatural powers which develops by having samyama on various objects whether it is in within the body or it may be celestial objects or it may be something outside in the phenomenal existence so there there can be so many samyamas so each samyama is a set of a particular dharana dhyana and samadhi so that's why the word samyama has been coined that there may be many samyamas trayam ekatra samyama tat jayat pragyalok the fifth sutra 
सो बाय प्रैक्टिस बाय मास्टरिंग तत् जायत बाय मास्टरिंग संयम मींस धारणा ध्यान समाधि व्हेन यू हैव मास्टर्ड ऑन व्हाटएवर यू आर मेडिटेटिंग दैट अलोन इज द व्हाट यू से द दैट अलोन इज द की टू नॉलेज प्रज्ञा लोक प्रज्ञा मींस द लाइट ऑफ नॉलेज सो विदाउट कंसंट्रेशन देयर कैन नॉट बी एनी नॉलेज the key to any knowledge is concentration this dharana dhyana samadhi the more the we are focused the more we can learn in a classroom the student who is more focused he can learn more even when we are studying the more the mind is focused focused the more i can learn it is a distraction alone which which actually differentiates between one student and the other some student will say i cannot concentrate my mind my mind gets easily distracted so you cannot have samyama the knowledge the pragya cannot dawn in so that's why swami vivekananda used to say that the oh, the key to knowledge is concentration if i have to again start my education then instead of going headlong to gather information gather facts i would first develop the faculty of concentration once you have that anything you focus the knowledge comes just in abundant the knowledge will flow in and we find in the life of swami vivekananda that just by reading once all the knowledge was acquired because he had the tremendous focus concentration the key to all knowledge is that concentration and that's what we were saying that even while i'm tasting food if i'm talking to that's we that's why it has been always in our tradition that when you are taking food don't talk for two things one is the food may go to your this wind pipe if you are talking and that can be even fatal that's one thing and another thing the food won't nourish you unless you are focused on the food it's test this the entire your body is as if concentrating on the food its digestion its assimilation it while talking the talk may develop into some agitation some anger some discussions may lead to political discussions may lead to anger and my energy is getting dissipated in all the things which was actually required for my digestion for my assimilation for testing the thing that gets totally dissipated that's why we find then when you are distracted sometimes we even don't realize the test of the food even to test food we need focus what to speak of the higher pursuits so concentration alone is the key to knowledge and that's what is being indicated in the fifth sutra by saying that what tat jayat that when you the stick this three sets at a time dharana dhyana samadhi and focus it on anything and once you get adept in it then the knowledge ensues it just the world will anything will just give out its knowledge give out its light the moment you know how to focus it swami vivekananda in some other place gives the example that what's the focus like when the sunlight is falling on a paper it doesn't affect the paper in any way but now you take a magnifying glass you take a magnifying glass and focus the sunlight on the paper it burns you find it as the fire has it has lit by fire the sunlight gets concentrated and gets focused on the paper and immediately it burns so similarly the knowledge all the ignorance are burnt off the knowledge gets revealed when i can focus my entire awareness 
on the thing on which I am meditating. The more you get the focus, the more the ignorance burns off, the more the knowledge is revealed. So Tajayat Pragyaloka. That's the thing which has been spoken of in the fifth sutra. And then the sixth sutra speaks of that it should be practiced in stages. Tasya Bhumishu Prayoga. Bhumi. In step. If my mind is extremely distracted and I just take the resolution, I will meditate. In the very first day, it's not going to happen that I will just reach Samadhi. It has to go by states. What are the states? Sarvarthata, Ekagrata, Nirodha. This will be spoken of as we study. My mind is extremely distracted. If I try to focus, it's almost impossible. Why? That by resolution to concentrate is something is in my conscious mind. Whatever I'm thinking with my conscious mind, that is a very weak resolution. You know why? Because my mind is already having subconscious thoughts. What, how the mind works in two ways. Whatever I am thinking, the, how the mind gets disturbed, it gets disturbed in two ways. Through all the conscious thoughts which I am thinking. As, let us take that old example that the mind is like a lake. All the conscious thoughts are like pelting stones on it and the mind gets disturbed. The mind gets disturbed in another way. Sometimes we find that from the bottom of the lake, the bubbles are coming up and that comes to the surface and bursts. The bubble bursts and again the surface of the lake gets disturbed. The surface of the lake is your conscious mind and all the bubbles which are emanating from the bottom is the subconscious mind. So the mind is getting disturbed by the pebbles from outside, by all my conscious thoughts, perceptions, conscious, conscious resolutions, conscious imaginations, conscious uh, cogitation, all those things, it is getting disturbed. And again, from the subconscious minds, what is coming, that is also disturbing my mind. Now, how those, uh, that's, the bubbles are coming from the, uh, what is the bottom of the lake? That all the subconscious bubbles actually are something which at some time, today or yesterday or in years uh, um, before, I have thought consciously. Nothing can go to your subconscious unless you have thought consciously. Each and every conscious thought, apart from disturbing the mind, is going deep into your psyche and is remaining there as a subconscious thought to again erupt and disturb your mind. So all the thoughts which I have thought previously, they are in my subconscious mind. Till now I was quite okay with it. All those distractions, Sarvarthata, the distractions, that's what kept me busy with my life. Now I take the resolution of spiritual life for meditation. Now it's like the resolution to meditate is just a conscious attempt to meditate. But this is very weak. The subconscious mind is very strong with all the distractions. They will come and throw away your concentration. Now you may say then what's the, there is no way out. Then what's the use of meditation? We should again remember the key. What's the key? That each and every conscious thought apart from disturbing the mind is going down to the subconscious mind to remain there as samskara. So though this conscious attempt to concentrate my mind is very weak, it is failing because of the distraction, but at the same time, each and every attempt is creating new samskara. 
I have to keep my mind concentrated. It's creating a new sanskara that is going and now gradually saturating your subconscious mind. A time will come, this ekagra vritti, this, though it has failed again and again, but it is gradually what is it, saturating your subconscious mind. A time will come, your subconscious mind now will be saturated with this ekagra vritti and it will just purge off all the sarvarthata, all those distractions. And then your, the natural state of mind will become ekagra. The example which we have given again and again is that your mind is just like a cup full of impurities, full of turgid contents. Now what you do, it is filled to the brim. You start pouring pure water into the cup. Now as the cup is filled to the brim with the turgid contents, it will start spilling off. As it starts spills off, all the turgidity will be diluted. It will be, turgidity will be reducing, it will be diluted. A time will come, all the turgid contents has been spilled out from the cup and the cup is full of pure water. So it's a matter of time. So our dhyana is like that. I'm trying to fill the cup with ekavritti, the pure thought. The turgid contents are there. It will take time to purge off. But a time will come when the, the, the natural state of mind which was distracted now gets transformed into ekagra. That I will find if I was trying to do japa in morning and evening, now I will find that my mantra is subconsciously I'm repeating it. It has become spontaneous. How the ekagra vritti has now started saturating your mind. So it's a matter of time. So I have to be very patient. That's why Swami Vivekananda used to say that for all spiritual evolution, what is required is three P. Purity, patience, perseverance. Purity. Your each and every attempt to keep your mind in that ekagra vritti, in that sublime thought, is the purity. It won't happen immediately because your subconscious mind is already full of distractions. So you have to have patience. And at the same time, you have to be practicing that patience is not something that when uh, it will happen, it will happen. I have to persevere again and again with repeated failure. Again, I try. I fail again. I try and then wait for the time. So what will happen is purity with patience and perseverance. At last, you will find your mind natural state has become ekagra. So you have to do it gradually. And once you are becoming ekagra, that's not the last. That will take you that will take you to the samadhi. And from samadhi, it will take you to the asampragyata samadhi. What is that? We will come to a discussion gradually, which alone speaks of your ultimate liberation, liberation. This asampragyata samadhi, where all the thoughts cease to exist, even the vrittis fall off. How it happens, we will discuss gradually. So these all happens in stages. That the that today I have taken the resolution that with meditation. I will have to have a spiritual evolution. It's not like an instant coffee. Just you put and you, the coffee is ready. No, it's not like that. It has to, it has to evolve gradually. That's why Swamiji used to say, all the spiritual growth is not like the torrential rain. When there is a torrential rain, I see the rain is falling. The ground is getting drenched. The lawn is getting drenched. He used to say, it is like the falling of the dew drops. I, have, I cannot, I, don't, I have never seen when it has fallen. I just walk on the ground, I see it is drenched. 
when they have fallen, I have not perceived. So all the spiritual transformation is like that. It's very gradual. Then another example which we give, a coarse rock on the bed of the river. At any time, point of time, you find nothing, no change is visible. The water is flowing over it. It is the same coarse rock. But in hundreds of years, that coarse rock becomes smooth. So they are just like the Shivalinga. Totally all the angularities have been dissolved. At any point of time, no change was visible. But it was happening. Unperceptibly, it was happening. So you need patience. You need perseverance. The practice should go on. That's what we indicated by Tasya Bhumi Shuvinyoga. It happens in stages. We shouldn't be impatient about it. We should have that sufficient patience to just wait and see. And not just wait and see, that patience also should be tagged with perseverance. I should continue with my practice on and on. Even if I fail, again I try. I don't brood over my weakness that oh, I have failed. What will happen to me? Just forget about it. Let the dead bury the dead. Let all the misgivings, I forget. Let the dead bury the dead. That's Swamiji. These are the words Swamiji used to use in his lectures. Let the dead bury the dead. There is no use in just harping over what has happened. Try again, again, again. In life, we have learned nothing in one go. When the small child starts walking, so many times it falls. Gradually starts walking. When we have learned cycling, when we have learned swimming, it was all gradual process. Somehow, I don't know why, most probably it's because of the advertisements of the so-called all spiritual gurus that come to me and I will give you a samadhi in a flash. So that makes us so impatient. It is also has to be a graduate process. It cannot happen in a flash. All those are just sheer nonsense. It's a way to earn money. It's, it doesn't speak of real benevolence being showered to the humanity. The real spiritual guru will never say that, that come and in just in one week or in three days, I will give you samadhi. Those are all bogus. It can never happen. You have to have patience, perseverance, and yes, it can happen in a day or two. That also was spoken of. If the more is the intensity, the urge, if you have tremendous urge, it can happen in a very short time. So that's very important. So it, the only thing which speaks of the acceleration of your progress is how intense in the, is your the desire to get liberation. Do you feel that you are in a burning pyre? The one who is in burning pyre will immediately run away from it. If I feel that the earth is a burning pyre, how can I stay on it? That will give me that tremendous urge to get liberation. We are somehow quite happy with it. That urge is not there. And that's why our progress is slow. But we need not bother. Let us adopt to the practice, know it for certain, gradually, step by step, the intensity will increase, taking you to the ultimate liberation. So this is the sixth sutra which has been spoken of. We will continue with our discussion again in the next class from the succeeding sutras, the seventh and the remaining sutras. So thank you all and namaskars. With this, we conclude our discussion today.